welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking, fucking killing, killing Me. I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. And thank you guys for listening. This is our third last episode of season two. Damn! Guys, season two! Also, how have we been doing this for over a year? How have we had like 56 conversations with people? It's amazing. It's kind of cool. I feel like I've met so many cool people. Yeah. And I've, yeah, I just feel very connected, much more connected to our arts community. And in a very broader sense. Totally. Yeah. Not like just dancers or just, you know. And like pretending to be involved. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because the arts community is much bigger than we all think. Yeah. It's very easy to get roped into like our small little communities of very specific disciplines. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's easy. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's very big, and everybody should go meet somebody new from their community. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Mm-hmm. This week, we have the wonderfully hilarious... <laughs> this is one of those episodes, guys, where I'm editing it, and I'm just giggling the whole time, and I'm already annoyed by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you annoyed by yourself? Not annoyed, but I'm just like, oh, I'm laughing again. <laughs> oh, there's me again, spiking in the levels. Not watching her mic. <laughs> Stevie. Stevie. Oh, sweet, sweet Stevie. You're so great. I think I have a crush on Stevie after talking oh, to him. Oh. Stevie, if you're listening, which I hope you are, <laughs> I think I have a crush on you. It's very cute. Very cute. Uh, Stevie is the lead singer for the Birds of Bellwoods, which mm-hmm. is a local cool hip band. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with them, check them out. Let's do it. Here we go. My name is Stevie. I am the lead singer of a band called Birds of Bellwoods. I am also an actor and a bunch of other stuff, I imagine, by the time this comes out. And being an artist is fucking killing me. Um, let's talk about Birds of Bellwoods. Okay. Are we already doing it? Yeah, we're doing it. It's already happening. You're Good mic'd boy. up. Because yeah. I, I, I was gonna, I was like listening to one to get ready. Yeah. Um, Who are you and listening I, to? I started listening to the JJ one. Nice. Right. But I only I only got as far because I was listening to it on the way here, and I only got as far as just um, the the losing of the dance job, uh, mm. the teaching job. Um, oh, in the intro. Yeah. Oh. Is that your intro? Yeah. Oh my god. I just got to the intro. Oh god, that was so long ago. I forgot. You seem that. to have recovered. Thank you. We yeah. were just talking about that too. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, How is the girl gang? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> You don't, like, go and sit in a car across the street and make sure that they get to school safe? I think that's illegal. I I don't know that that is strictly illegal, just making sure children get to a place safely. I feel like that... Creepy, yeah. (laughs) But I don't know if there's strict laws against that. What would would the charge be? Um, They they would probably just ask me to, like, move along. Right. (laughs) They're like, you should probably not be here. You get one of those classic cop move along now yeah also you don't necessarily need to know the schedule of these five little girls no they're fine yeah I'm sure they're they fine. Were your gang man no like i'm just I saying not that i pain. told that story i was like struggling when i was like so upset about it yeah well, it sucked yeah. that sucks that was also the same the people were the people that called you stoic oh yeah i didn't think that she would have emotions because she's so stoic all the time yeah because I'm not like a bubbly cheerleader when I teach children. I'm You've like, always seemed very warm and... Uh, yeah, I was like, stoic's a weird word because I'm not a cold person. Yeah. I'm not, a, like, I'm not like shut down. No, definitely not. But I'm not like overly energetic cheerleader in your face either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a range of emotions. Yeah, although you did make a very large cheerleader-esque arm gesture when you yes. said that. Just because I know how to be a cheerleader. (laughs) It's just like, I feel like people are still like, oh, you're a female. That means you're exactly like the pink ladies in Greece. Right. right? That sounds exhausting. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Or you're you're a dude. Obviously, you're you're not like the pink ladies in Greece. (laughs) I identify a lot more with the pink ladies than I do with. Danny Zuko. Right. <laughs> what a weird dude. Super weird dude. And like, I mean, John Travolta's kind of weird. Man, all of those musicals, the you'd look back, and I was, I was, I was, I forget. Yeah, I was teaching this after-school thing a while ago, like maybe two years ago. 
and they were doing Bye Bye Birdie. Mm -hmm. And that piece is just horrible. <laughs> like, really fucked up. Really fucked up stuff in there. The whole premise out of the gate no. is that there's like rock stars coming to this town to go on a date with an underage kid. That's the premise. That's what we're starting from. <laughs> right. Is, hey, everyone's all excited because one of these kids in high school gets to go on a date with an adult and kiss him. <laughs> so that's what we're starting with. <laughs> and then there's the, the best song, unquestionably, unfortunately, melodically and structure-wise, the best song in the whole thing, the most memorable. The whole thing is a, a, an older dude telling a young lady that she should smile. <gasps> Which song is it? Put on a happy face. Brush off the clouds and cheer up. I never you'll even thought so about good that. That you'll be glad you decided to smile. Old, it makes you look like an old lady when you're frowning. <sighs> Isn't that fucked up? Doesn't that ruin that whole thing for you? And then it ends with a healthy bout of transphobia and violence. <laughs> yeah. And these kids were doing this thing. I was, I was teaching these, like, eight-year-olds this after-school thing. They, they saddled me with this play. And anyways, I'm not, I don't get to teach there anymore because I, I, I kind of lost it a bit. And I, the, 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 like, instructor came to class, and I was like, so, guys, what have we talked about? And they were like, that this play is misogynistic. And then I was like, all right, they don't understand the word, but it's adorable that they're saying it. And, you know, that they'll go home, and their parents are going to explain it to them. Yeah. And she was like, can you just teach them the fucking music, please? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't. I actually can't. I don't believe in anything. It's it bad. It represents. It's so bad. A lot of shit doesn't age well. Yeah. Like if you think about Disney movies, that wouldn't age well anymore. Yeah. We have this conversation a lot at work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I watched Pocahontas again. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a main one. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Great tunes, though. <laughs> mm -hmm, Maybe best tunes. Great music. Yeah. yeah. Just fit Colors of the Wind. Also, a lovable <sighs> raccoon. Yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, when? and that became the basis for Flounder and so many other exactly. wonderful characters. The little chicken and uh, what's his, what's it called? Moana. Yes. Moana is a great, yes, great, great picture. Yeah. Truly a, a, a feast for all ages. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I cry more every time I see it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's I beautiful. I cry when I see Up. up when the grandma comes back as the stingray... And floats over top of the boat. Would you say that's your favorite, like, Pixar cartoon? No. No, definitely not. Like, which one did you relate to most when you were younger? So, that's an interesting question. Because, <laughs> uh, definitely Brave Little Toaster. Uh, and my mom used to call me her Brave Little Toaster. Oh. Uh, have you ever seen Brave Little no, Toaster? No, love so it. don't. And don't watch it again. Oh, okay. For, for <laughs> you who liked it. This is the best advice... And the best advice I can give. To this leave it in your memory. The best advice I can give is to leave it in your memory. Okay. I watched it again, and it is a just a bad movie. Like, not even, like, not, like, didn't age well or anything. Just not a good film. Like, just, like, poorly written. The, the, the narrative arc makes not really a lot of sense. The characters are very two-dimensional. It just was not what I remembered. But, yeah, as a child... That was my jam. And then I think Wally is amazing. Uh, yeah. I love The Black Cauldron. Even though it was old. That's an old one. It's like very old. So my stepmom. Is that the one with Mickey Mouse in the wizard hat? No, that's Fantasia, which they did live a lot and they did in right. IMAX a lot. And that was like the big thing. Um, but my stepmom and my dad had like large, large, large movie collections mm -hmm. and it would be like old stuff and it was like all on VHS when mm -hmm. I was growing up. So I would just like walk over to the wall of movies and like pull something weird out right. and watch it. That's dope. The Black yeah. Cauldron. Yeah. That's the that one. Out. I remember like there was like certain parts that were like really scary, but I wanted to watch it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you were brave. And stoic. Right. And stoic. Right. <laughs> this is where I learned all my stoicism. <laughs> See, Anastasia is like oh, yeah. my like favorite one. And it's just because it like sits so much in my memory of like me and my sister. And also yeah. it was like the first, even though it wasn't a Disney one, which I forgot, but it like it sits in the realm of like where the changeover was happening in Princesses, where mm -hmm. they were changing over from these like 
dainty, like oh, Sleeping Beauty, like oh, wrists, broken wrists, like, oh my gosh, Damon's broken wrists to like, <laughs> like this like independent kind of like, let's find ways to make women still attractive, but also like not like, but also kind of like, klutzy. yeah, let's make them like klutzy and like, let's give them bad, I'm doing quotes, qualities and make them like klutzy and independent and kind of sassy. Yeah. So I like, that's progress right? yeah. at the time. Yeah. Uh, At the time, so it, she was like the first one of that age of like princesses that was happening. I feel that. Yeah. I, I loved that one. That was dope. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, I was just thinking of one. I forgot. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, this has nothing to do with, with the, the, the okay. progression of like, you know, relatable female characters yeah. in the uh, <laughs> animated world, but. Uh, uh, Aristocats was very big for me. Mm. Um, I, I, I have very fond memories of that film. I think it's part of what made me get into music. Really? Mm. Yeah. What, any specific songs in general? I just remember the part where they're playing with the jazz cats. Right, And yeah. one of them's like, Tyler, I'm like, to the caveman beat. And then one of the cats, the little orange cat goes, oh, rinky tinky tinky. And I, it's a very cute moment, and it's it's very much wedged in my mind. Because it, do you think it was because you're redhead and he has orange hair? I think yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> you related yeah. to that cat it on like it comes up a lot when I when I, I've done when I when I do hallucinogens for some reason. Right, the orange cat tends to arise in my mind in like an Alice in Wonderland kind like of. way, but an orange cat less guiding and more like appearing in the wallpaper. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, yo, you need to get some new wallpaper. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, it's your orange wallpaper. Jesus, it's not my wallpaper. I very rarely just sit at home and do hallucinogens. Right, but that's if fun. ever. I would be, I'd be nervous to do hallucinogens by myself. Yeah, I've heard it's inadvisable. Mm. Um, I've, I've, I've heard multiple times that it's just like... It, it, you it, probably go to real like, dark places. Someone was like, it's harder to come back. Sure. Yeah, you probably can't dig yourself out of the hole. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing else in, to like attach yourself yeah. to. Totally. I'm getting eaten by snakes. Get out of the, get yeah, out of the dark get, light. Yeah. Get out Ugh. of the dark place. Yeah. yeah. But that was the one that, like, made you... Maybe. I don't know. I don't... <laughs> you can't pinpoint it. I didn't start playing music until I was, like, 19. So. Oh. Well, like, I... Uh, sorry, I played music. I played uh, piano and, like, saxophone and a bunch of instruments when I was a kid. But I didn't start, like, actually pursuing music mm-hmm. until I was, like, 19. And even after that, I went to theater school and then I got out. And that's kind of when I started. Right. So I was, like, 21. It was very late to the game. Right. And what's your instrument of choice, then? Right now, mandolin. It's, oh. uh, I, yeah, it, I, I got really into it when I was starting the band. Big mistake, because then, you know, my, my best friend Adrian, who's in the band with me, he is better at guitar, mm-hmm. so he was the guitarist, so I, you know, I, I didn't, we didn't need another guitar, so right. I thought, so I started playing mandolin, then I got better at mandolin, and now it's just, like, my instrument of choice, uh, and I, I, I'm fairly proficient at it. But it's not, it's like mustard. Like you can't put it on every sandwich. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that metaphor. It took me a second to get there. Sorry. Well, I put mustard on everything. Is that that you like? I put mustard on french fries, so. I put mustard on french fries as well. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I love mustard. But you wouldn't put mustard on, say, ice cream. No, you can't put mustard on everything. Is the better? Yes, yes. yes. That's you true. can put it on every sandwich, just not. Every <laughs> yeah, you're right. The sandwich <laughs> thing was a misnomer. <laughs> Sorry. That's no, my my apologies. Like, mustard is great. Right. So now you. So now I, I play a lot of mandolin, but mostly mostly now I just kind of jump around. And sing Do you feel a little bit people. like the guy from the cowbell skit? Kind of blue oyster cult. Like no, little... he. I feel like the opposite. Oh. Because he, the lesson of that, <laughs> of that particular <laughs> feature is that there's always room for more cowbell. Right. And there's, there's, al- there's not always room for more mandolin. No, it's no, quite the right. opposite. If mm. that skit was about removing the cowbell from the song, <laughs> then I'd feel like but, that. <laughs> Does Blue Oyster Cult have any other songs with the cowbell? Probably. Can you say definitively that they don't? I mean, I don't think I'm a big enough fan. So then I'm going to say that every <laughs> song of theirs has cowbell. That's cowbell. Man, good cowbell tone. Right? Oh, man. There's this band uh, <laughs> from BC called uh, Days or May. We toured with them when we were out that way. 
and um, they have they have this particular <laughs> cowbell tone in their like intro song. It's always their first song that they play live, and it's like perfect. It's so good. It's just legendary. Yeah. Dun, 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 oh. Dun. So you're not feeling the same way about the the mandolin though. You're feeling like no. I wish I played cowbell. Right. I mean, yeah, I guess I. Do. I mean, yeah, you, you could. I think you could pick it up. It, hit it with a stick. <laughs> I mean, you probably have to go to school for it first and like graduate with a degree. Yeah, and, and go maybe. to Berkeley for cowbell. Yes, exactly. They teach you about tone and yeah. Absolutely. I mean, where to get the proper cowbell. weight. We yeah. kid, but they probably. <laughs> Do like they're you probably know. taking somebody's money for it. You d- d- talk to a drummer about cowbell, and I'll bet you there's there's like a plethora of <laughs> shit that we don't know. They'd probably hear this and roll their eyes and be like, "Fucking losers, Assholes. Think, yeah. it's, think it's a joke." <laughs> Cowbell's a fucking joke. I bet you they hate that skit so much. I bet you they look at Will Ferrell hitting that cowbell and they're like, tone is all wrong. Like, completely incorrect. I know that recording. I know how they recorded it. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't be that close to the microphone. That's room tone. They're just like presidents of the I Hate Jimmy Fallon Club because he laughs that whole skit. I mean, maybe they'd be, they might also be like, Jimmy Fallon's the only one being realistic in that yeah. skit because the way he's playing that cowbell is fucking laughable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why he was laughing the whole time. He was like, "Look at this idiot." He, he actually went to school. Yeah, we're saying it. Update his IMDb page. Jimmy Fallon <laughs> went to school for cowbell. Damn. Uh, so you sing mostly. <laughs> When I'm not, I mean, eventually I'm hoping to transition to cowbell. But yes, for now, I, for now I mostly sing. Right. Uh, yeah. And you guys all sing or is it just you? We all sing. Um, I, I sing the most. Just not because I'm the best singer, but because I'm the worst at instruments. Uh, <laughs> because the mandolin isn't featured much. No, exactly. Um, we're just like, yeah, my, my, our bassist can play any of the instruments right. better than any of us. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Chris and Adrian can both play instruments very well. Yeah. So they do that. And I, I am, am more of an effusive, outgoing, crowd-pleasing type. So right. I, I, I just shake my little booty around and sing and, and yell. I feel and like every band fun. needs one of those. Yeah. They're called frontsmen. Yeah, and um, they're all they're all type. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty stoked to be it. I feel very lucky that I I get to do that. I really really enjoy the job. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not without its uh, pitfalls. It's it's uh, the. It it it, it, it it's really uh, fucked with my sense of self worth right. in a way. Um, yeah, because you get this uh, hit, right? Like, it's a, it's a drug. You get deeply addicted to it. You go out on stage, and there's all these people, uh, like, yelling at you. You're everyone's Friday night, mm. you know? Um, and, but then you still have to have the next morning. And, like, you just, like, are a conduit for all of this energy coming from these people. And then you send it right back. Um, but, you know, you've had your day. Mm-hmm. And you have your own experiences with these songs, and you have to rise above all of that and just provide these people with what they need and hopefully create like a cathartic space for uh, empathy and celebration. Um, and it's like you can feel like a, like a, like you know, those paper straws that are happening now? That dissolve and are terrible. That dissolve, yeah. So it, picture like a like a fire hose blasting through a paper straw. Some days that's what it feels like. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I get a bit mushy after tours. Yeah. And probably the next day. Yeah, but the next day you got another show. You have to do it all over again. So I drink and I, you know... Like, do the things. Do the things. Uh, I've been getting better at it. I've been doing like yoga and, and meditating and working out and just trying to like steady myself. Therapy helped. Um, yeah. But but it's like the highs and lows, you know. Like you go. Those drops. I think those drops from high to low. Like the upward is always good, but the drop from high to low, which yeah. you experience in your emotions when you're not someone that just like sits at this like steady. Yeah, could you imagine? Yeah. That would be cool, hey? Wouldn't it be amazing to be in control of your emotions? Yeah, I fucking, I, I asked my friend the other day, I was like, what's up? And he was like, nothing, nothing's new. And I was like, that sounds so good. Yeah. That sounds so, can you imagine going through an entire week 
and nothing is new. I mean, I think I wouldn't like that. I think I would like it for a week. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, I'd be like, like we joke that we ask everybody is being an artist fucking killing them. But I think something like that would kill me. That's fair. I, right. I, you know? I think I agree. Right. It sounds nice right now in the middle of being busy in the middle of like a bunch of projects mm-hmm. and like eventually hopefully have some time off. But, you know, I don't think I could do it for very long. Right. I don't think I would be like fulfilled to my soul doing that. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Although, what if it was something, like, beautiful and noble, you know? Your pursuit was, like, a long-lasting pursuit, but it, 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 you, you knew in your heart that you were, like... Am I becoming a monk? It's, well, like, maybe in a sense. Like, what if you were, like, a biochemist or some shit, and, like, every day you just went into the lab and you looked at cells and fucking sent them along to your buddy in the other lab. And, you know, you were, like, a Recorded car. data. Oh, right. what's the line from the Fleet Foxes song? Um, I was raised up believing I was somehow unique. Uh, a snowflake among snowflakes, unique in its way it could be. But now... Basically, he talks about how you used to want to be this snowflake, right? This mm. completely unique mm. structure. But then he uh, is a little older now, and he realizes that something that may be way more beautiful is the idea of being a cog in a much larger machine, serving something much greater than himself. Like a bee. Yeah! Right. Mm. And, and but I, I think there's like people that are meant cool. to do that, and they do that, and they're happy with that. Yeah. But I also think it would be detrimental to someone to do that, and that's not what they're meant to do. You know, it's the fucked up thing that occurs to me right now. Hmm. We're all still doing that. Even though our lives are maybe more immediately exciting, right. or appear to be somehow more, like, radical. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all just the steady march of time, and we're all... That know, we have no control over. Yeah. yeah. It's, we're all just dropping some, you know, water in a bucket. I don't know. I don't know if that makes me sad or happy. Sad. Sad? No, it's fine, man. Find peace in the anonymity. We're just gonna right. die. I was just listening cool. to someone talk about how anonymity is a privilege. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. probably. Hey. Yeah. Especially now. Yeah. What do you mean by that word? What's like? What is anonymity? Um, it was someone famous talking about how when they go out, doesn't matter where they are, doesn't matter who they're with, they're interacting with their young kid. Like, kids crying and they're trying to deal with it and they're in public. Doesn't matter. Someone thinks that their photo op with that person is more important. The Miley Cyrus thing that just happened. Yeah. What was that? She was just walking, I think, with her husband and a fan grabbed her by the hair and, like, tried to kiss and take a picture with her. And all the news reports are, like, going off about, like, it. So, like, being able to walk down the street and no one interrupt your day with their, like... With, shit. With their shit. Yeah. Can be a privilege, right? It's funny right? that way, yeah. man. Yeah. And you want to be rich and famous and you want to be successful, and then there's also another side of that. Well, there's the side of it that you're the famous side of it. It's not yeah. about the art anymore, right? It's yeah. But like, you have a publicist, you have a PR person. Yeah. You have to, even though you're an artist and you're like, fuck the machine, you're still like reporting to this big corporation that's making money off you. Yeah. And your life is no longer your own, right? No. Because like, you've built this image that now needs to sustain itself. Because you have a hundred people at this company who are mm-hmm. probably relying on you, to, your album. Totally. Your music. Or... Yeah. That shit's wild. People on the street. Do you feel pressure from your label at all in that sense? Or like even no, since you guys are growing not, right now? Not from the not from the label. Like with the whole people on the street thing, I'm not I'm I'm definitely not Miley Cyrus, but like right. I do run into people. There's kind of two there's two difficult things that happen. One is like if I'm if I'm on my way somewhere and I'm late or I'm having a shitty day and someone's like, Oh my god, it, 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 birds of Bowens. Um then I have to like I have to engage. And I have to make this a wonderful, positive experience mm-hmm. for them. So that they don't turn around and say something bad about you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that they're not like, oh, yeah, I met him. He's a fucking dick. Right. I'm like, yeah, I mean, my, I was on my way to my, uh, my, my sister's having a baby. But sure, we'll talk about it. I'm, I'm glad you like my music. This is when we're playing next. Sure, I'll put the date in your phone for you. Um, and that, that's unfortunate. Uh, but I guess I also get it. And then the other thing that happens is, like, I, I meet a lot of people, 
I meet a lot of people after shows, mm-hmm. uh, and you when you finish a show, you're coming. You know, there's, you're coming off the adrenaline right. rush, and you're thinking about all the things that might have gone wrong. You can't for control you. what you say. I know. I have no control over like what my body's doing or what it's saying. Yeah. 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 Right. And and I just like people would be like, hey, I'm, uh, uh and I and I look them in the eye. I shake their hand. Hi, I'm I'm Stevie. Thank you so much. Right. Try to lead them to the merch table. Um, <laughs> but then I'll like run into someone on the streetcar, and they'll be like, "Hey," I'll be like, "Hi." They're like, "I fucking hate this." And when people go, "You forget my name." Oh. And it's like. It puts you in this immediate position, right? Of being defensive. Well, because you can't be like, yep, I forget your name. Because that's, that's shit, right? Right. <laughs> then you're a dick. Um, especially if you've met them more than once. Right. Uh-huh. Right? It's like, you forget my name. And you have to be like, no, dude. Bro, hey, pal. pal. <laughs> so I've developed all these mechanisms. Right. You know, or if I'm with someone, I'll immediately introduce the person that I'm with so that oh, I Oh, that's my go-to. It's a great move. <laughs> yeah. Traveling packs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris. That's <laughs> amazing. Uh, Chris, uh, my, my guitarist, uh, met, uh, met my friend Sam like five times and just kept forgetting right. her name and her like just kept right. reintroducing himself and then we were at this party and she lost her shit on him it was just like what the fuck I've known your band for like you know five years I've known your bandmates since like high school yeah you know how don't you and he was like pretty lit and he turns to her and he goes look have you ever thought Maybe you're just not that memorable. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're very good friends now. That, uh, uh, ironically, that interaction really like that made her memorable. (laughs) That like solidified the friendship. But it's one of my. It's like one of my favorite stories. Oh, I was gonna tell the story. You were talking about the highs and and lows. Yeah, I was just gonna tell. Because it's like the most I've ever felt that. Yeah. I, uh, we were on tour last summer and we, we, the tour, like there were a bunch of dates throughout the summer, but one day we played Oshiega. It was a fucking, mm. whoa, Nuts. you know, we had no business being there. It was right. completely inappropriate for us to be on the bill, but somehow, uh, we got, we, we, we ended up there. We played it. I get home riding this high, feeling like a rock star. Yeah. Open my front door. First thing I see, my cat has, for the first time in her life and mine, just shat right there. Like, right. You open the door, and just far enough that the door doesn't hit it, like, door opens, and right behind the door is just shit. And the power's out. And I'm like... Sick. High highs and low lows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just immediately. That was it, right? Like that's And you're like, oh yeah, I'm not a rock star. I'm no, a person I'm that has not. to pick up my cat's shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cats are great for that, no matter what you do. You'd be like, I I played to five thousand people. They'll be like, Great, I shat there. <laughs> yeah. So you did what? You tell those 5,000 people that I just controlled you and I yeah. shat in your house. She's the real rock star. <laughs> Sorry, what, you play for 5,000 people? I sit here all day. Yeah, I play for no, I play for me. It's a real rock star. Yeah, maybe that's the best way. Who's to say, man? Who's to say? (laughs) Um, So you sing with Birds of Bellwoods, obviously. I do. You play the mandolin with them. Sometimes. You're also acting a little bit. I do act, yeah. That's been... Do you feel like you have to act when you're on stage with... Yeah, yeah. In a sense, it's um, it's like a heightened version right. of yourself for sure. Um, it's definitely not your truest self. Mm, it's like you're Sasha Fierce. But is that maybe not our truest self? Yeah, exactly. Would Beyonce not say that you know, right. in her heart of hearts, that is who she is? Although she backed off that real quick. Yeah. Remember that Sasha Fierce? I feel like no one asked. <laughs> when that stopped being a thing for one album she was like I'm Sasha Fierce and we were like cool great 
And then we next album, her. Yeah. nothing about that. Beyonce could spit in my face and I would still love her. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> She'd do it, too. Yeah, you think so? I don't know. But if, if you asked... Oh, sure, maybe. maybe. Actually, no, I feel like she wouldn't. I would never be close enough to Beyonce. You don't know that. Actually, that's true. I did run Dream into Jay Z on the street in New uh, York one time. It was he's really a fucked up. Now. It was really fucking weird. What was he like? Well, I was. He, he looks weird. Hey, so he. Person. So my sister works at Sleep No More, which is at the Mictric Hotel, and right next to Sleep No More is like the recording studios for like Jay Z. Like, Rockefeller. Uh, it's not Rockefeller. It's like in Chelsea. Okay. And it's where like just everyone records there, and I was walking to meet her. And I was on the phone with my mom, and there was this car, and I was walking down the street in New York, and there was a car behind me, like an SUV kind of, like, moving slowly behind me, and it was kind of weird. I remember being like, what is this fucking car following me? And I was like, whatever, not a big deal. So I, like, stopped, and then I stopped to talk to my mom because I was like, what is this car doing? And it stopped, and then I started walking again, and then I stopped again, and it was just like, okay, whatever, and... I like got past the door of the recording studio and then I thought I had forgotten something so I went to turn around and when I turned around I like ran into someone like and I like just like hit them really fast and then I went and then I was like and then I just turned around and then I looked back and it was like a Jay-Z. guy and it was it was Jay-Z that I like had run into because I think there was the driver they were trying to like sneak him into the building without like anyone knowing so they were waiting for you to pass so, the door. but then I was like what the fuck is this car doing and then they tried to sneak him out and then that's when I turned and I think he was surprised that I like hit him and like dead on looked at him and then was like didn't react I just because right. I didn't really realize that it was like him yeah so anyway also you're embarrassed because you're like ran into someone you're like oh god get yeah here. Canadian yeah. yeah, Canadian. I was like, I'll get out of your way. I'm sorry. So sorry. <laughs> Ask your wife if she'll spit in my face. Um. <laughs> I feel like Jay-Z listens to his own music. Yeah. Like, I feel like he, like, drives around and he's like, bump that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe that's an unfair assumption. Anyway, you're Sasha Fierce. I'm Sasha. Oh, right. Yeah. We were, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> um, it's definitely a heightened version of myself, but it's based a lot in, in I think, truths. I think I, I try to write from a place of uh, honesty as much as possible, which can be very uh, difficult sometimes looking back on music, because music is at best a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you write from an honest place, sometimes you look back on songs and you're like, oh, God, what a cloying... Self-indulgent. Yeah, yeah. unfair yeah. version of love. Like, you know, the song Come Home that... Uh, one of our more popular songs on, on streaming services and we don't really play it anymore and one of the reasons for that is I'm like I don't I don't agree with that I wrote it from being in like a I was in a pretty unhealthy relationship at right. the time I was I was I was uh, the person was not good to me mm-hmm. but the song is all like you know I'll love you forever and no matter what and, mm-hmm. and I I remember we got an email from someone being like uh, this song is amazing and you're going to play it on my wedding day and this is like my, you know, this is this is love to me. Mm-hmm. And I wrote back, I was like, dude, I thank you, but no, bad. You said they couldn't play it? No, I didn't. I didn't no, they, they oh. didn't have to ask permission. They, I, they were just like, just so you know, oh. you know, I will be walking down the aisle to this song. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. That means the world to me. That's, right. And they were from Kentucky, where we've never played. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like simultaneously, like really, that was really cool. But I was also like, man, don't like, don't love like that. Like, right. it's not, it's not fair. It's not fair to yourself. It's not fair to your partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the expectations on on both parties that are kind of laid out in that song are not are not uh, good. Right. right. You know, people change. People grow. And how do you feel about, like, being the one that, like, you wrote that song? So now when you look at songs and you're writing them, are you feeling, like, responsible for I am more. More than ever before. Right. Uh, I'm starting to feel quite responsible for the, the content that I put out and trying to make sure that the impact that it will have... Because uh, shit, shit kind of changed after we put out Victoria. Mm-hmm. We, can, we got one email that kind of changed my, my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the way I want to make music. Uh, what did it say? It was basically uh, this this girl being like, 
This is going to sound weirdly like a like a like a brag. Okay, it's okay. Uh, it was it was this girl basically. She she'd come to our Hamilton show uh, with her dad. She was like thirteen, um, and she was just like, I just want you guys to know, like how much your music has been there for me. Um, this is the first time I ever got to see you guys live, and uh, but I've been listening to you for so long. And she was like, your music. Uh, helped me come out to my parents. Your music helped me when I was in Sick Kids and I was in a chair and I couldn't dance and I was just like looking forward mm -hmm. to the day that I'd get to dance at your show. Mm -hmm. And these songs mean this to me and, and, and thank you. Thank you for your help. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't be just a kid going out and having fun anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, there's lots of fun to be had. Uh, but I just realized that, like, we could help people. Right. We actually had a vehicle to make the world... Sounds stupid, but to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. um, to make people more empathetic. To make people feel not alone. Um, to take the worst moments from our lives and help people that they're experiencing similar moments to, to feel supported. And I just, from then on, I just kind of wanted to do that. That felt way more, and I think it's because I'm getting old and lame. I also feel like that's what it's all about. Yeah, like, right, that's man. like That's the <laughs> that's that's thing. That's the thing. That's yeah. like, if you're going to do anything with this... I mean, this medium, medium, or, or this talent, medium, right? or anything. Right. Then, like, that's the, that's the, the. I think that's the point. I think a lot of artists, deep down, do. That's just they just want to change and help. Yeah, I just I when I started, I just wanted to party. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> just wanted to have fun. Right. And now the fun is kind of just a byproduct. Yes, and it's, it's like well. a luxury. But I think, and I think it's true of any medium, right? Like from from dance to theater to right to to any of that. It's just... It's entertainment, and it's there to make you emote. Mm. Right. It's a different, like, it's a different way into human emotions. Yeah. To, like, experience them in a new way. New or rivers to, get light to the same in ocean. a situation. Totally. Right? Thinking about theater, thinking about, like, immersive art or um, physical art. Yeah. And we're all coming towards the singularity. All art is becoming one art. It is. It is. It's no longer categorized in these brackets. You're stoked. I am so stoked. Because <laughs> one of the reasons I don't super do theater anymore is I find it... Um... Now, this, this being said, like, I'm going to preface this by, like, the, the, some of the most incredible shows I've ever seen, the, the shows that have fucked me up the most in my life, have, in a good way, mm. like, fuck me up, um, <laughs> have been theater. But also, so much of the time, it's just like, it's a... Fucking stodgy, closed, stiff-shirted performance where people are yelling at each other but not actually at each other, and you know everyone's fine, and there's no nothing actually at stake, and you're not allowed to talk during it, and you're not allowed to like react with your friend, or you have to like sit, and the lights go down, and your phone goes off, mm -hmm. and then I feel like people honestly just disengage. Mm. Like right then and there. I feel like there's this moment, the lights go down, everyone understands the mechanism that you're in, you feel safe, and then you're gone. And then you finish the play, and you, you're, you talk about it for 15 minutes on the streetcar, and then you go home and you watch Netflix, and you move on with your life. Because that happened in a little box, and you were safe to experience that in that box without it ever bleeding out into the rest of your life. Yeah. So I fucking stopped getting into theater because I was bored by it. I did right. one play t a year or two ago, probably two years ago now. Mm -hmm. And I like I did it because it was like an in-situ performance and it was it, uh, the writing was great and it was kind of like uh, one of the reasons I did it is just because I it was, it was a bit of a like a wink for me. I just right. loved the part and I loved the play. Right. And I'm like, all right, well, this will be fun. So mm -hmm. I'll do that. But also like the way it started, like right out of the gate, it kind of fucked that. Um it was in a very small space, and it started with blackout, and then immediately, uh, like, five blanks being fired with lights up, with an immediate fight sequence with, like, fake blood, um, and the effect of that in such a small space basically 
completely ripped people out of the safety element of it. Right. They were safe, I assure you. Hmm. <laughs> but it, it removed that immediately because right. suddenly three feet from your face, like, you yeah. know? And you, it takes you a minute Unexpected. just to be like, yeah. it's a play. It's yeah. a play. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, but I, uh, um, there, yeah, there is something about like, I mean, my main focus in my master's is immersive and interactive site specific work, but like there is something as a performer that like intrigued me about that work, which is that like when you're on the stage, everybody is seeing everything and everybody, you're a show and it's you and everyone's watching the same thing, but in immersive work or work where it's such close proximity to the audience, there's like something tangible that you can like taste on your lips or a moment within like an audience member that just you have Mm -hmm. and that like not everybody sees. And it's like a secret between you and another person Mm -hmm. and it makes it special and it makes it intimate for the other audience. Right. Which is like completely different than just this box sitting a hundred feet away from me. I get to sit here. Right. Which is just like, wasn't interesting to me as a performer or as a creator anymore to just have this distant relationship. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was, you need, there was something that I was just missing and bored of like the, just like the linear possibilities that were happening amongst this like dark space. You should start a band. It's wild. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fun. Proximity. Proximity. You can just go out. You yeah. can just go out there and with consent touch people's faces. Mm-hmm. It's the, you can just do that. Yeah. It, like <laughs> there's no there's no expectation to not see them, right. to not engage. Um, it's the, it's the most, and they're allowed to talk to each other mm-hmm. and drink mm-hmm. and do whatever. Come and go. Make out. You yeah. know. Be comfortable. Like, imagine if you were at a play and something beautiful and romantic happened on stage and it, people just started making out like you get that'd so be many, dope. Yeah. You get so many from all the old oh, people. Yes. <laughs> so many people would be like, Oh my God. Top, their hat, teeth. top hat and monocles would be very upset. Yeah, there'd be so many broken monocles and they'd be like, <laughs> you're ruining my experience of this piece. And it's like, how is me being moved to express love in this moment? Yeah. ruining your experience. Obviously, yeah. you're too concerned with what's going on around you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not really watching. <laughs> yeah. So that's like, yeah, that's what I love about about music is they can, people can just get, you know, get weird. Yeah. Where do you want to see, like, the disciplines kind of, like, cross and fade in and out? Like, what would be I, your, like, dream, dream project? Oh, man. So I, I mean, I want, I eventually want Birds of Bellwoods to be my dream, dream project. I want, because uh, I, I, I've realized that, like, the, the core of the experience that I love is based in a rock concert mm-hmm. or, uh, uh, like, uh, yeah, the best experiences that I've had, the most cathartic, the most moving, have been in concerts. Right. It's the freedom of that environment mm-hmm. that I think is like the, the the very base of it all. What has to be the first thing yeah. is this like free celebratory environment. This like Dionysian fucking mm-hmm. bacchanalian, you know, uh, party at the end of the world shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start with that, but then. Instead of it just being like playing great tunes, I want it to be a narrative. So I want it to be. So David Bowie did this whole tour right. with the dancers. Um, human. Oh God. Human. Human. Dance magic or some shit. Anyways, okay. David Bowie did this whole tour with uh, a dance group with Louise Le Cavalier, I believe. Mm-hmm. I might be making that up. Right. So Montreal. Montreal. Actually, yeah. this is true. I remember seeing the. Yep, this is true. Right. Yes. Sorry, <laughs> it's in my envisioning for dance folder. But yes. Yes. Fact checker. Nice. Yes. Um. So the I I want it to be kind of theatrical. Like I want there to be constructed moments of naturalism. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. And of like fantastical like Cirque du Soleil-esque mm-hmm. shit but I want it to still be carried by music because music is delightful right. and a universal language mm-hmm. and just makes you move right. you know like in an oral sense there's yeah. Like a, yeah in terms of the sensory it's a very large portion of how you experience Absolutely. stuff like Shakespeare yeah. is some of the most beautiful words you know right. but you're never gonna hear to be or not to be and just start dancing yeah <laughs> 
You're not going to feel it in your heart. (laughs) I don't think anyone would. Um, So I want it to be punctuated by these moments of like theatrical narrative and like circus-esque magic. Right. um, But carried through the vessel of a rock concert. Um, And probably character-based within that. Um, but with a lot of audience interaction and uh, drinking and celebration. That's kind of Spectacle. my ideal. Yeah, and, and I think uh, a lot of elements of the design would be based in, in uh, videography. Um, okay. Yeah, so it would literally be... Like a projection. Uh, and, yeah. yeah. And I also, but then there's also part of me that thinks TV, like television, and like the construct of a, of a, of a televised series. Right. Is the is the one true hope of the world? Um, <laughs> just because, like, the way that you get to know characters in a TV show is 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 unique and special, and uh, in a weird way, the most like life, right? Because um, because in theater or a play or a, a, a concert or whatever, you it's you're there for three hours and that's kind of it, right? Whereas with a TV show, it's like these people who come into your living room. Once a week. Right. You get to know them. If you watch you it on to, regular TV. Yeah, yeah. You get to see why they make the decisions. Usually if it's well-written TV, you get to see why their character progression through yeah. years, right? And you get to see, like, why their decision process changes based off of something that happened that they're totally. showing you. Right. Whereas, like, in theater, there's only so much time that a lot of these decisions you're just like given like well this is made because of this this is the context of this but you don't get to see this development happen totally yeah and you don't and when you see i think maybe when you see people on television grow and change overall it allows room within your own understanding of people Mm -hmm. in your life to grow and change totally um you believe that people can do that Mm -hmm. uh whereas and it can happen in, in movies or, or plays as well, for right. sure. But it's just like, it's still a two-hour, three-hour timeline, which is very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Whereas in television, it's like believing that someone can change over the course of five years is, I think, healthier. Right. So I don't know. So how that works into my magnum opus yeah. is, I, I, don't, I don't know. Right. Because I certainly don't want to do that every week for the rest of my life. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> and change it every week? Oh, my God. No one has the money for that. No. No. Unless you guys have the money for that. Do you want some hummus? No. I'll look at him. Are these croissants going to make you feel better? What are, what's, what's your guys' like, you know? And also, I, I understand that I just made that up. I mean, in a way, it had been, like, working around in my head for a right. while, but I, I don't think I've ever quite expressed it. Right. In that way. So if you, if you were to pick your special super thing... I have no idea. Yeah. You want to help me make mine? <laughs> I'm trying, I mean, like, my thesis is about, like, interactive and immersive dance theater with, like, a band and or progression part of it. But yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, the budgeting is an issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You only get given so much money. But in my dream of dreams, mm. I don't know. It would be, like, very interesting maybe to, like, sign people on for, like, Instead of buying like a one night performance ticket, they buy like a seven night performance ticket. So it's like, so they see that they, maybe they're able to see the immersive and development of like the characters with that throughout the week. That'd I don't be know. Wild. But it would be expensive because mm. it would have to be they pay for seven shows. Yeah, but the, right. the, you know, but it's a it's a thing. We should right patented and it's worth it. It's <laughs> wor- that's worth the money. You know, yeah. right? Like we underestimate. Probably less us, but I think people underestimate the worth of an experience like that. Totally. Yeah. Or they're like, you know. I mean, it's so easy to just be like, ugh. It's expensive. $100 for a ticket to the show is so expensive. And, and then you're like, break there. it. I have to go there. And you have to, and that's not even including like my Uber ride or my, you know, it's, you have to break down like the, okay, well, the rent on the place is this. They have 10 performers. How much is this performer getting paid a night? Do How you many think? seats are they selling? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
big that's is the another theater? reason I don't do a lot of theater anymore is because we break down the money and like I, I have to believe I'm worth more than six dollars an hour. <laughs> I have to, right? <laughs> because I can't like I can't <laughs> live yeah. with myself thinking like. Six it's a low, an low. Hour. That's what that you low, deserve. Low. That's the low, low moment. It's yeah. like you come off stage. You're like everyone's like, "You're brilliant. You're amazing." You're like, "I'm feeling so good. I've ever just performed in front of hundreds of people." And then they're like, "And here is your twenty-five dollars." Right. Yeah. This here will pay is for the you door split. Getting here. Here is the door split of the performance. Not even rehearsal. And it'll pay for approximately one or two beers, depending on where we go. For sure. <laughs> and you will need to drink after that. Yeah. yeah. Man, and, and that isn't to say that music is the promised land. We, it's, a yeah. very, it's, it's equally difficult to make a living, right. um, especially for the first five years. It's like opening a restaurant. You just have to put everything right back into it. Do you yeah. feel, are you starting to feel like the, it getting better? Are you starting to feel like starting the worst Starting to. Yeah. We pay for our phones. Right. That's our, we are an, in, we are a corporation and we have our, a phone plan. Right. That's kind of like the way that we've started to support ourselves. Right. And we have like a decent little nest egg right. Um, right. for whatever we might need for if we go on a big tour and, you know, we're all screwed and no one can, can have a job right. uh, for three months, then you, you have something to lean back on. But yeah, like we, it, there's little things. Right. It's starting to happen. Not having to pay a phone bill every month. Myself, I mean, paying it, just not like me paying it, yeah. us paying it, has, yeah. has made things definitely a little better. Right. And when I have, you know, six text messages at two in the morning because someone has an idea, then it makes it feel a little more like oh, I'm okay with. Being you can text me. Yeah, 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 you can text me. It's, it's a business phone. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, there's also like a beauty in the, the old days. I remember we had a show in Moncton. We were on tour and we we made a hundred and ten dollars, and then the sound guy like shook us down outside of the venue and was like, "Hey, the venue didn't pay me. I need a hundred dollars for the night." And we were like, "All right, man. Like here you go. We got ten dollars left from our from this night of tour." And we can I buy twenty chicken nuggets and split them. My bassist just held it up in the wind and let it go. <laughs> And he was like, there you go. That's our life. <laughs> we're like, yeah, pretty much. We watched it fly, and that was, that was an important moment. Because we were also, at the time, we were playing, paying our drummer uh, 100 bucks a show because he was a session musician. Right. And we were, you know, like, we had a lot of other expenses. We're on tour. Yeah. So it was like $10. $10 man, going like, into debt to, to yeah. go on tour, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the, that's the way. Yeah. In opening spots as well. This wasn't an opening tour, but opening spots are absolute. Like you, you see a show at the ACC and someone's opening for Coldplay, and you're like, "Oh my god, they must be making so much money right now. They are making literally zero dollars." I don't know. I actually don't know what Coldplay pays, pays their openers, and I, I don't. Uh, it may be more, but in my experience, uh, an opening position is a like a, a, seen as a gift. Uh, this is an opportunity for you to be exposed to a huge audience and sell merch and sell merch and you get a, you get your merch sales, right? Which sometimes are great. If you have good merch, birds slash shop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, and, and at that point it's important to be on a label because the label will help you cover costs, you know, right. going from, from place to place. Right. Uh, but that's also an advance, right? right? You're paying your future self is paying for that. Through your label, right? They're um, investing in you now to make you big, yeah. So that money comes later, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they will then take back, right? right. Um, With interest, usually no. Oh, that's the nice thing. Is it's like that's why it's labels are labels. great. Is because it's like a no interest loan. Oh, okay. But then they take you know. But then when when you're in the 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 black or the green or whatever that term is, I don't know because I've never <laughs> been in it. Um, then they 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 get a percentage, right? Right, right. So, so they're always taking money. Yeah, but they're providing wonderful things. You know, I'm not I'm not one of those musicians who like, or at least not yet, who like you know fuck my label. I'm actually quite. 
What label are you with? We're with, well, maybe I shouldn't say. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. No, and I've already said the name of my band. Anyone can look it up. Um, uh, we're with E1. Okay. Uh, which is a, yeah, they've been, so far, I've been, like, quite happy with my relationship with them. They're, like, a major that runs, like, an indie. They actually hold true to that. So I've been cool. stoked so far. However, we are a year in, so let's see how it goes. Right. Yeah, man. Is being an artist fucking killing you? Yes, definitively. <laughs> in so many ways. Um, from the lifestyle, from like... Did you, did you ever watch Futurama? Yes. Okay, you remember uh, Party Slurm? Yes. Yeah, I feel like him sometimes. <laughs> he takes off his sunglasses and his eyes are all bloodshot. He's like, I haven't slept in months. I gotta be everyone else's party. Oh, you know, and then he has the final dance while the cave crumbles around him. I feel like that sometimes. So that's killing me. Also, uh, all my siblings have children, and I'd love to spend more time with those kids. But you know, between a side hustle to keep myself afloat and to have a bit of savings for the future, trying to write music, going on tour. Uh, there just is not time for me to watch my nephews grow up, which fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really hard on relationships, touring, going away for you don't know how long. Mm -hmm. One year it could be two months, the next year it could be that entire fucking year. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to stay healthy is terrible and exhausting, and I think the, the biggest thing... The biggest reason why being an artist is fucking killing me is that it completely twists where you draw your self-worth and your identity from. Mm-hmm. You don't exist in isolation. You only exist. I only exist in relation to my work and its effect on other people. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking terrifying. Because what if it doesn't affect other people? Right. Then I don't exist. Mm-hmm. Then I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's just me? No, I find it a struggle sometimes, too, when you're like, I'm this, like, when I especially lately thinking about what I'm doing. Am I a dancer? Am I a producer? A creative, like, where do I fall? Like, how I identify? And since most of my life I've been identifying as a dancer, it feels hard not to identify that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm not making a living as a performer. Yeah. Also, right? isn't that interesting that, like, there, there, there's also this weird thing with our relationship to art where it's wrapped up in, in like, inextricably in capitalism. Like, we define ourselves as artists because that's how we want to make our living. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're not, like, seen as a professional in that field unless it's our only thing. Yeah. Right. Unless that's how we make our primary right. living. Or it's just a hobby. And even if we, you know, fucking post little comics that say otherwise and want to believe otherwise, we mm-hmm. still do. We still believe otherwise. And we'll still look up to artists that are making more money than us mm-hmm. through their work. Mm-hmm. Because... It has, bec- I don't, I, and I don't know how to get out from that. I don't know if any, I had a roommate who uh, would like disappear to the woods for, for months at a time. And I asked him, I was like, is it possible to escape it? The capitalist super system? He was like, nope. Yeah. You can be out absolutely in the middle of fucking nowhere and you still feel it. It's in the bones of the earth now. The bones of the earth. Oh. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so, what about you? Uh, I forget. Sorry. <laughs> what is the? I guess like I, I guess how I like know. like identifying as one thing, right? And your work and your passion and everything being wrapped up in this one thing. I don't think it is anymore. Maybe when I was younger. Yeah. I think, like, yeah, I mean, no, you still are like, this is who I am. But also, I get very annoyed when people ask me, like, 
what does that mean? What kind of work do you do? Mm. And I'm just like, I don't want to, why does it have to be so distinct? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I'm an artist. I shouldn't have to be like, this is this small little area. I don't need to tell you my research. I just met you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. You don't need to know about me. Yeah. I need to know about me. Mm-hmm. And also, sometimes I don't know what I about me. <laughs> so like, how am I supposed to talk about 20 years of and my t- existence in a, as a human into this one right into one sentence that you can digest yeah and especially in a medium like contemporary dance right which is conceptually at times super abstract right um and especially in an exploratory phase mm-hmm. you know sometimes you, you you don't even know what it is you're discovering even as an audience member witnessing this i remember watching uh um uh Hmm. And oh, Crystal Pike! Oh, she's the greatest. She is the greatest artist of our generation in any medium, she's and I amazing. would fight anyone who disagrees. No, I'm yeah. kidding. She's probably not the greatest, but she's very good. She's yes. Beyonce. She is. World. She's, she's my Beyonce. Beyonce. Yes, That's, we've had two people say that now. <laughs> Sick. You're gonna create a collection. Yeah. Um, she well, she she creates incredibly like abs- like strange work, but that is so relatable. And that's kind of the thing with contemporary dance is like. I, uh, someone could ask, like, what was it about this show? Or, like, what are you exploring? And I'd be like, I don't know. But the guy was wiggling his legs, and I wept. Yeah, you bought I it. Yeah, cried. Whatever I, they were selling me, I'm into it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Right. There's Why do like, you need to know what it is? <laughs> right. There's this, like, kind of argument happening amongst, like, academics, especially in artists. I won't say just academics, but about, like, this idea behind authentic movement within mm. the contemporary dance realm. So what does that mean? So, like, a lot of people are identifying, like, I want to create as authentic movement as possible so that means that you know it's truthful and it's authentic and they just throw this word around. But a lot of academics are like, me going like this, that's authentic. Yeah. That's, I did this. Mm-hmm. What do you mean it's not authentic? So then there's these other arguments about like, well, did you just buy it? Like, did you buy what they were selling when they're on stage? So there's these like open, you know, wounds that are happening amongst like, it's very crazy. That feels like such a judgy term. It is judgy, isn't it? It feels like a, like a, like an easy way of dismissing art that you don't like. Uh-huh. It's inauthentic. Also, it's just like something you didn't connect to and that's fine. You're yeah. allowed to see work. Right. Yeah. Like myself, I saw something on Sunday that I just like didn't, didn't connect, connect with. Right. You know? Also in terms of like, do I identify, how do I identify? Yeah. I mean, I maybe, I guess I identify as an artist, but like realistically I identify more as like human with skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't really know. Well, I mean, one is for sure. Yeah. There is that. <laughs> one is authentic. Sometimes I see like the business <laughs> side of me working and I'm like, should you have been a business lady? Right, right, right. No emails. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Things. <laughs> yeah, but also like I'm sister. I'm right. Daughter. I'm a lover. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, also very true. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Well, there's a reason that's a hit. Yeah. It's authenticity. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thing. We're trying to write. We're trying to write a hit right now. Um, what does that fucking mean? Pop formula? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, 145, uh, 140 BPM. Was it JJ that we talked about that way? Yeah. Pop formula. Pop formula is fascinating. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of great, like, the, you know, it helps. But then at the same time, and then you listen to, like, you know, we were working with a producer who was like, uh, your, your lyrics have to be, like, direct, simple, mm-hmm. I statements, repeat the chorus like just the same right. sentence four times all this shit and it had worked for this person it was undeniable that his formula had worked for him right, right. he he had like 50 number ones mm-hmm. which is insane which is like enough to like if you go into a room with that person do it their way because right. they are right yeah but then i was listening to like like uh, the the one that blew it open for me this time because I've I've come up against it before and I I, I oscillate rapidly between being like yep we got to do that and being like fuck it fuck everything, <laughs> um, but the song Sleepyhead by Passion Pit oh. was what flipped me this time because first of all I was like none of these sounds make sense right um, the, you just sampled Jack Kerouac what the <laughs> fuck. Um, and then your lyrics make no sense right. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you said it was like fire burning around the brim, 
burning solid, burning thin, the burning rim. What the fuck is he talking about? Right. <laughs> Call Me Al really fucks me up sometimes, too. I don't know that one. Call Me Al? No. By, really? Paul Simon? No. Oh. Really? It's like a massive hit, and like the lyrics don't make any fucking sense. Mm-hmm. At all. It does, doesn't make any sense at all. Don't always need to, turns out. Yeah. Oh, God. Man walks down the street. And then it's like goes into this whole other phrase, and you're like, "What yeah. is happening?" Or Bob Dylan, anything by Bob Dylan. Although that was the beat poet generation, right. more license. Yo, you know what I was listening to last night? I was literally laying in bed listening to this and just like remembering, and I I actually cried. Uh, 4 a.m. by Our Lady Peace. Oh. Do you remember that song? Yeah. Yes, I think I do. Did it come out? Wait. I don't know. I would have to listen to it again, probably. Yeah. We'll listen to We're it. We're going to listen to it right now. Copyright. Great. Oh, we can't? I mean, probably not. probably shouldn't. Okay. If it goes on iTunes, it'll take us down. Anyway. Fair enough. <laughs> the, the, das Machina. Machina. The lyrics. Capitalism. I, we can say the lyrics, though. Yeah. Yes. Probably. He, he wrote, and like, I don't know. I think I just like was feeling nostalgic and I like had to go back because I've been, I've been diving so much into pop formula. Right. And this is still like a fairly formulaic song. You know, it's like intro... You know, for two two times around, yeah. Um, into verse uh, thirty forty five seconds in, we're at the pre, which is very short, followed by anthemic chorus, right? Authentic and chorus. <laughs> anthemic. Oh, anthemic. Often, <laughs> oh, a similar word. But he <laughs> yeah. says, uh, "Walked around my good intentions and found that there were none. Uh, blame my father for the wasted years. We hardly talked." Never thought that I'd forget this hate. Then a phone call made me realize I'm wrong. And then the chorus, he goes, And if I don't make it, know that I loved you all along. Just like sunny days that we ignore because we're all dumb and jaded. And I hope to God I figure out what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that story just made me fucking weep. Because I, I... You connected I, uh, to those lyrics. Yeah, I, I lost my dad two years ago. Um, and just the idea that, like... He's there, and he's in his fucking room, and he's full of blame and hatred. And he gets one phone call that, to my sense of the narrative, is like, you have to come quick. Mm-hmm. Your, your dad's going right. to go. And, and if I don't make it, if I don't get there fast enough, know that I loved you all along. That immediate flip that was lying dormant all along Mm -hmm. and I fucking remember being a kid and feeling like that you know that moment where you're like I was just being a dick I'm sorry I'm sorry fuck Mm -hmm. fuck I wasted it Mm -hmm. I wasted the time I had right and I I I guess I guess I don't know why I brought that up other than that it's a fucking awesome tune (laughs) well you connect with it on such a personal level. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's why. It's because that's a hit. Yeah. To me, that's a fucking hit. That right. is an undeniable hit song that... And to the people it connects with, it right. is. So right. maybe right. that's what a hit is. Maybe it's not pop formula. Maybe that's not the answer. Maybe the answer is just making an, a cathartic, empathetic, relatable tune that gives people who are alone an experience that they can feel less alone with. And, you know, then it comes back to, it's like, that's, yeah. that's the job. Right. Yeah. And Rain Maida, goddamn, you did it. Spelled the same as my name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end, guys. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Thank hey, you thank so you. much. Thank you. I hope I didn't talk too much or too much. No. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Um, go follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, go subscribe and follow us on Spotify and iTunes. And go, go to the Birds of Bellwood page on Spotify as well. Yeah. Subscribe definitely. and download all their albums. New music coming soon.